Welcome to the Define Your Wealth podcast, where we believe you don't have to be rich to live a wealthy life. Wealth is about having the time and resources to focus on what matters most to you, whether that's saving lives and changing the world or having time to just exist. I'm your host, Megan Robinson. I'm a financial coach and accredited financial counselor candidate. And before we jump into today's episode, I have a free gift for you. So just for being here and for spending some of your time with me today, I want to give to you for free my Define Your Wealth workbook. It's an exercise or a series of exercises that I use for myself and for my financial coaching clients. The purpose of it is to help you gain clarity on what your version of a wealthy life looks like. So what are your values? What are the things that matter the most to you? And aside from some vague list of values, you'll walk away with an actual picture of what your wealthy life looks like and specific goals that align with that life. So to grab your free copy of the Define Your Wealth workbook, go to goodbye to broke. That's two as in T-O, goodbye T-O broke.com slash podcast gift. That's goodbye to broke.com slash podcast gift to get a free copy of the Define Your Wealth workbook. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. So a little bit of background on today's episode. I am traveling not far from home, but I'm traveling to visit my family this weekend who are amazing. I have a wonderful family, um, but I'm visiting um, my dad's family and staying at my grandfather's house. And when I'm traveling anywhere, whether it's to visit family or on vacation or something, it's always difficult to stick to the routines and practice practices that I have at home. And you might have experienced the same thing where, you know, at home you have your routine, you have a workout schedule and um, you cook your meals because you have all your food and kitchen utensils and everything at your place. Um, And so I've been trying to maintain my normal self-care practices, or at least some of the most important ones to me, Um, making sure that I'm eating healthy, updating my spending plan, doing like normal tasks that I would do at home while I'm traveling. And I've been thinking about self-care a lot the, the past few days, trying to do all of these things that I know I need to do, but um, are always difficult to do when you're away from your normal place. Um, and I'm on, I get served a lot of self-care content on TikTok lately. And I think that we all, like, I think when we talk about self-care in general, we're not always talking about the same thing. And I think it's confusing that oftentimes when we talk about or hear other people talk about self-care online, uh, the things that we talk about maybe aren't always about self-care. Um, I think self-care is a little deeper than we give it, like, than we credit it for, you know? Um, so I want to talk today about kind of my take on self-care, 
um, how I define it, what categories of self-care have been helpful for me in evaluating if I'm, you know, how I'm doing in taking care of myself because, ah, like, that's something that nobody told you about becoming an adult, right? I'm 28 years old and I'm almost 28. I'll be 28 next month. And I still feel like a lot of the times taking care of myself is a real task. And I don't even have kids. I just have a dog. (laughs) I just have Benny and myself. Um, but yeah, taking, taking care of yourself is, is a lot of work. But I've learned to look at self-care in a, in a specific way, in specific categories that have helped me really like use these categories to look at my life and say, okay, how am I doing? You know, where, where do I need to check in with myself and do more for myself? Um, so that's what I want to talk about with you today. So before we jump into these categories of self-care that I use for myself, Let's get on the same page about what self-care actually means, right? So the dictionary definition of self-care from the Oxford Dictionary is the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress, right? Okay, so we're going to come back to this definition a little bit throughout this episode, but just keep in mind the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. That's the definition we're going off of, okay? So when I think about this definition, I think about five categories of self-care that are really important to me, right? So the first category is physical self-care, which is taking care of your body and your physical needs. And this is what most of us probably think of when we think of self-care, right? You see on social media, don't forget to drink your water, um, exercising, having an exercise routine, eating nutritious foods, getting enough sleep, all those things. And those are absolutely huge parts of self-care, but they're not the only parts, right? They fall into the category of physical self-care, which is only one category. And these common examples of exercising and eating good foods and sleeping, drinking your water, all of this, they're not even the only parts of physical self-care, right? To me, physical self-care also includes not neglecting your body's aches and pains, right? So if you have, if your knees hurt on a regular basis, going to the doctor or going to a physician to help figure out what's going on with your body. If you have a toothache, going to the dentist and, you know, keeping your appointments and um, doing your regular checkups and things that you need to do to make sure that you're physically healthy, that's a, a part of physical self-care that I think most people are guilty of not doing on a regular basis, myself included. Um, and it's also using the bathroom when you need to. I know that might sound like a weird one, but how often do you find yourself needing to use the bathroom and then being like, no, I'll just hold it because you're on your phone or you're like working and you just 
you don't go use the bathroom when you need to and you hold it for a long time, right? I think that that's another part of physical self-care. I think stopping and slowing down when you have an injury so you don't hurt yourself further. Like these are all parts of making sure that we're taking an active role in protecting our well-being in this situation being our physical health, right? So being aware of your body and your body's needs, which takes a lot of practice, but being able to listen to your body and say, what does my body need? Am I hurting? Do I need to go ask somebody why I'm hurting? You know, so that's physical self-care. The second category of self-care that I like to think of is emotional. So this is to me connecting to your emotions and practicing being able to respond and process your emotions in a healthy way. And this is a part of self-care that I didn't realize was self-care and something that I very much needed until probably my early 20s, probably around the time when I met my partner, Joseph. But it's a huge part of self-care having the connectedness to your emotions and the awareness of your emotions to be able to see them, to respond to them appropriately, and to process them without holding them in and or, you know, communicating in really um, non-constructive ways. So common examples of emotional self-care are talking to a therapist journaling, meditating is a good one, which I think can also be part of the next category of self-care, practicing mindfulness, and yeah, just becoming aware of your emotions and how you feel. But I think less common examples are also expressing your emotions through art, right? Because that's part of finding a healthy way to express yourself. Um, And For me, a lot of the time, emotional self-care is just letting my body do what it naturally does often, (laughs) which is cry. Um, That is like my body's physical response to a lot of different emotions. And it can be a great self-care practice. Sometimes there are some days where, you know, things just get hard and I'm feeling a lot of feelings and I can either shut it off and pretend like they're not there or I can go to the bedroom and I can lay down and cry for 10 minutes and then come out and blow my nose and feel better, right? So those are all parts of emotional self-care for me or what I think of as emotional self-care. The third category is mental self-care. So your mind instead of emotion. So often this is information-based, right? So stimulating your mind by maybe reading a book or listening to a podcast, watching a documentary, or trying a new hobby or something that you're interested in. And it can also, less commonly, look like taking a hiatus from the news or social media, right? Giving yourself a mental break. So this is something that I realized recently that I have a tendency to do Uh, when I get stressed out, (laughs) when I get stressed out and have a lot going on, I will lean on what I think is 
mental self-care because I'll put on a podcast and I'll listen to it and I'll think I'm, I'm doing something for myself. I'm improving myself. I'm learning about trauma or I'm learning about a new finance topic. Whatever it is, I will put on a podcast and then I get to a point where I just have so much information, so many things buzzing around in my brain that it's no longer useful and it stresses me out even more, right? So sometimes it looks like turning off that podcast or putting down the book and giving yourself a much needed mental break. The fourth category is social self-care. So this is nurturing our relationships with other people. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the self part of self-care that we forget one of the most important aspects of well-being, which is connecting with other people. We're social creatures as humans, and we need, even if we're introverted, I'm personally very introverted, but we still all need social support, and we need people in our circle. Not having that can be just as detrimental to our long-term well-being as ignoring other aspects of self-care, like your physical or mental health. Some common examples of social self-care are scheduling regular phone calls with friends who live far away, having a game night with friends, um, setting intentional date nights with your partner, visiting your family, and less common examples of social self-care are setting boundaries. I forget exactly who I heard say this, and I'm not going to say it word for word. I know I'm going to get it wrong, but... I remember hearing somebody say that boundaries are not meant to exclude someone from being in your life. They're meant to help someone stay in your life. And that's an important part of social self-care is making sure that you have good boundaries with the people that you love and making sure that you also respect their boundaries. Another example is asking for help or support when you need it. Getting out of your comfort zone, like I said, if you're an introvert like me, then going to places where you can meet new people and have conversations with new people. For me, I like to go to cafes and strike up conversations with strangers and then go home and take a nap. (laughs) Um, And it's also practicing clear and open communication with the people that you love. The fifth category of self-care is kind of, it encompasses really multiple categories, multiple subcategories, but it's practical self-care, right? So things that keep your life running smoothly and prevent future stressful situations. The definition that we looked at earlier for self-care was about taking an active role in protecting your own well-being and happiness in particular during periods of stress, but to me, if you can do things that are going to prevent you from from feeling stressful in the future, that's also a huge part of self-care. So categories of of practical self-care could include your environment, so things like cleaning and organizing your closet and creating a welcoming space and home where you can relax and doing your laundry, right? We all know those environmental parts of self-care. 
taking your car in for maintenance. I don't know that you could call that environmental. I don't really know where that falls in. Um, but yeah, doing things that keep your life running smoothly. And then that brings us to financial self-care, which I think is a subcategory of practical. And to me, financial self-care is about being intentional in your relationship with and use of money. So the reason I wanted to talk about this one last, um, even though this is, I'm a financial coach and this is in part a personal finance podcast, that's not what it wholly is, it's more than that, Um, but the reason I left this category for last is because it affects every single other self-care category, every other area of our lives, right? Emotionally, money can cause stress, anxiety, depression. Physically, the amount of money that you have controls your access to food and shelter and safety and even your ability to sleep at night. I've had financial coaching clients before who literally tell me that Uh, Their financial situation keeps them awake at night. Mentally, they ruminate over negative thoughts. They they aren't able to focus in their day jobs because they're thinking about what's going on in their finances and they're just stressed about it. Socially, money can impact our relationships with our loved ones, either your partner, your friends and family, your kids. So... Financial self-care is incredibly important because it impacts every single other part of our life. Some examples of financial self-care include knowing your income and planning your expenses, so making a budget, aka spending plan, Um, also paying your bills on time, saving money for your future, all of these things are parts are a part of financial self-care, right? Getting your getting your finances organized and knowing what money is coming in, what's going out, and having a clear picture for your finances. So, notice I didn't mention a lot of the things in those five main categories plus two subcategories of self-care, I didn't mention a lot of the things that people typically think of when we talk about self-care, like taking a bath or getting your hair and nails done or eating chocolate or watching your favorite movie and TV shows, right? I mean, I don't know if you do this. I think a lot of people do this more than I realized before I started telling people that I do it. Um, But I rewatched like the same four shows and three movies all the time. <laughs> I rewatch Pride and Prejudice, Gilmore Girls, New Girl, currently Ted Lasso. Like, I have my my shows. And these are all great things. They feel really good and there's nothing wrong with them. But I don't personally consider those self-care. I consider them self-soothing techniques, right? Um, So remember our definition earlier, the practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. So, I mean, I guess you could argue that some of those things might be self-care, but in my opinion, in my mind, in my practice, those are not self-care techniques, right? Self-care to me is about developing 
the long-term habits. It's about the habits, the routines, the doing things that are good for you now and also good for your future self. It's about the little everyday things that compound, that um, keep you healthy in all of these different ways, physically, emotionally, financially, etc., etc. Um, And to me, self-soothing is more about the short term, right? It's about how do I feel better now because I'm feeling stressed now or I'm feeling um, sad now. What's a a way that I can feel better in the short term? And to me, the things that you do to feel better in the short term are they're self-soothing. And there's nothing wrong with developing self-soothing habits. We all have them. I think it's something that we learn at a very young age how to self-soothe. And they can be great and they can also be destructive. And it really just depends, right? It really depends on the self-soothing activities that you're doing um, and how frequently you do them. Um, So for example, examples of financial self-care that we talked about earlier are making and keeping a budget, saving for your goals and retirement, things like that, those are going to help you be successful in the long term when you do them consistently. Financial self-soothing would be buying things that you don't need or even that you don't necessarily want to feel better in the moment. And I am not passing judgment here. I am not saying this to be judgmental because we all do these things. I definitely do. Um, Yeah, I mean, I make Amazon purchases that I look back and I'm like, mine are usually books. I don't know what it is about that. I I also saw somebody say this once, um, I think on TikTok, that uh, book buying is a hobby that is entirely unrelated to book reading. And I feel like every time I'm feeling bad about something, I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this book. Like, let me learn more about money psychology or um, trauma or uh, what's, there's a book that I think I heard about on TikTok. God, I'm watching too much TikTok. I think I'm spending too much time on TikTok. Anyway, so self-soothing to me is doing something that helps you to feel better in the short term, but isn't necessarily good for your long term it's not necessarily bad either but it's not it doesn't really impact or it negatively impacts your future well-being so that's what I meant earlier when I said that there's a lot of self-care content out there that I don't necessarily think is self-care there's a lot of stuff that's like go have time for you go you know drink coffee in your hammock or go um take a bath or whatever it is and those things can be great and I'm not saying don't do them I'm not even saying don't do the ones that are like eating chocolate or getting your nails like you can do any of those things but what I am saying is don't confuse self-soothing for self-care don't forget that self-care often doesn't look super pretty it doesn't look pretty and it's not always fun but self-care is about taking care of yourself and taking care of yourself can be really hard 
Like I said, I'm 28, childless, and I pretty much only have to take care of myself, my dog, my car, and my house on a regular basis. And even that sometimes feels like too much. So I get it. But don't forget that self-care is really about more than baths and nails and having tea and quiet time away from your kids or away from your family. It's about taking care of your physical, emotional, mental, social, and other practical elements of your life. So what I encourage you to do is take a moment, check in with yourself now or check in with yourself regularly and ask, what do I really need? What does not just current version of me need, but what would future version of me be really thankful that I did if I did it right now? And it's really hard. It's really difficult to develop a practice of taking care of your future self, right? Uh, Because I think it's natural for us to want to do what feels good in the moment. And it also takes a lot of self-awareness to even be able to ask the question and then sit there and say, to ask the question like, what do I need physically, mentally, emotionally, etc. And then to be able to hear your own response, you know, or see those gaps to see like, oh, my body would be really grateful if I, you know, did some yoga every day or went to the gym a couple times a week, or I'm really not getting enough sleep, or I'm drinking too much coffee and that's affecting my sleep, right? It's a really difficult practice. Self-care is tough, but... I hope after listening to this episode that you'll take the time to check in with yourself on a regular basis and to continually ask, what can I do to take care of myself today? Because really, that's all any of us can do any day. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing some of your time with me today, for inviting me into your life. I'm just so grateful that you're here listening and so grateful to be a part of your day. Don't forget to grab your free gift, the Define Your Wealth Workbook, at goodbyetobroke.com slash podcast gift. And I would also love your feedback. If you have any comments, if you have any kind of content that you would like to see on the show, please leave a review and subscribe. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, also share it with a friend or family member or someone that you think could benefit from it. I would be forever grateful. And that's all the self-promotion that I have. So thank you again for being here. I hope you come back and I will see you next time.